Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the Canola Council of Canada says advanced biofuels is a new opportunity for growth for the country's canola growers. Earlier this month, the Environmental Protection Agency released a proposal that could open the export doors even wider for Canadian canola producers. The proposed plan would recognize renewable diesel and jet fuel made from canola oil as an advanced biofuel under the U.S. Renewable Fuel Standard. Council President Jim Everson is excited about the announcement as the move to advanced biofuels means the product can be combined with traditional diesel, producing a fuel with lower greenhouse gas emissions. And the U.S. is proposing to accept canola oil as opposed to raw seed. And this creates another opportunity for Canada right now that already has 14 processing plants with several more having been announced for startup. Fred Schellenberg, a rancher from Saskatchewan, was elected by acclamation as the new president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association at their annual general meeting in Ottawa. Schellenberg has served as a director since 2010 and was most recently the CCA vice president. Schellenberg will talk about the priorities for his term, including advocating for the creation of a foot-in-mouth disease vaccine bank, enhancing the current suite of business risk programs for cattle producers, and increasing market access for Canadian beef in world markets. After the break, Jim Everson. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. The plan to recognize renewable diesel and jet fuel made from canola oil under the U.S. Renewable Fuel Standard is great news for canola growers. With me is Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson. And Jim, this certainly creates a, a brand new market for canola. So it means access to the renewable fuels program in the United States. Um, we have um, been able to market canola, canola oil, to um, the biofuels sector in the United States. So that's where you've made a biofuels and then mixed it with petroleum diesel to dilute the petroleum diesel to some extent and, and provide some GHG emission uh, reduction that way. But this is a whole new thing where renewable fuels is um, a technology that allows um, the canola oil to be introduced at the refining process. And so um, uh, companies, the refiners and uh, biofuels retailers in the United States are very interested in access to different feedstocks for that purpose, and, and, and including canola. And so the canola oil um, goes directly into a refinery and, is, um, and it goes through the refining process. And the product that comes out of that is chemically equivalent to petroleum diesel, to regular fossil petroleum diesel but has a much lower GHG emission uh, attached to it um, because of using, uh, in our case, canola oil. So we're we're quite excited about it. There's a lot of investment in the renewable fuels infrastructure in the United States, and so access to that market provides a new marketing channel for uh, canola growers and for the industry in Canada. So can you tell us if they will be using Canadian or American canola to make this renewable fuel? Well, I think both. The uh, petition was made by the United States Canola Association, so we've worked very closely with the USCA uh, in support of it. Um, So there is canola grown in North Dakota and and, uh, Montana and and other states in the United States. So I think it's in uh, 1.5 million uh, tons kind of range, 1 to 1.5 million tons on average. 
so there is canola grown there, but uh, you know we think a large uh, amount of the demand that will go to the United States will come from Canada. And um, there in Yorkton, you know, you're seeing some expansion at the Richardson facility, and, and there's other, as you know, um, uh, big infrastructure announcements for new processing uh, facilities in southern Saskatchewan. So, um, you know, um, some of that is being driven by this new interest in renewable fuels in, in both Canada and the United States. So when could we see a rise in demand for canola that is destined to be used as a renewable fuel in the U.S.? So this is a proposed rule, so it's on the books, and, and the, the EPA is expected to turn it into a final decision uh, later this year. And then I think demand uh, would, would, would pick up. Uh, as you know, um, last year we had a really significant uh, drop in production because of the, the drought, and uh, so we're very hopeful that the, uh, we'll have a normal year and we'll be able to, to spring back with, with more production. And, and then over the next coming years, we would expect uh, demand to continue to grow. Now, do you expect to see canola prices increase due to this added demand? Well, prices uh, seem to be really good, and I think the, you know, the uh, signals of the producer is is a strong one to grow canola in 2022, and you know, I think demand uh, is going to carry on. This this new uh, access to renewable fuels um, is one part of it in the United States, Canada. The Canadian government is also uh, bringing forward a, a clean fuel regulation, which which will also I think, stimulate some increased demand. And and then of course just globally, vegetable oil demand is, is strong. Um, uh, palm oil um, production globally, it, it's the most voluminous oil um, available in the global markets, and growth in that sector is is slowing somewhat. And so I think there's there's strong demand for for canola and other vegetable oils globally. So with or without this announcement in the U.S., are you expecting an increase in canola acres in Canada this year? Well, last year, you know, um, there was an increase in acreage. I think producers um, really responded to some price signals last year, and there was, I think the stats can would say 21.5 million acres, which was, was an expansion from the previous year. And then, uh, unfortunately, we had such such hot and dry weather that we weren't able to produce um, anything like that, the crop that we would expect from that acreage. But, you know, since then, prices have only gone up. So I, I think the signal to the grower is, is, to, uh, is to grow canola. And I, I, I would expect that we'd have um, similar or, or perhaps slightly higher acreage in 2022. Jim, is there anything else that you wanted to add? I think that um, this, this renewable fuels area really provides some some new new interest, um, new marketing, as they say, for canola, but also some real opportunity for economic growth with, you know, with the expansion of processing plants in Yorkton and elsewhere, and um, it you know comes with it some some really good high quality jobs and um, just more production and more economic growth. So I think canola continues to to deliver economically to 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 Western Canada and to all of Canada. Jim Everson is the president of the Canola Council of Canada. After the break, the hopes and dreams for the new president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. A cattleman from Beachy in western Saskatchewan has been elected by acclamation president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. As Red Schellenberg takes over his new role, he has several goals for his two-year term. So, Reg, first of all, let's start with your uh, one concern with regards to a foot-in-mouth vaccine bank and uh, explain to us why that's a priority. 
Well, some of the goals that were discussed and the priorities identified at our annual convention, uh, I guess the first one was the establishment of a national foot and mouth disease vaccine bank. And the reason for that is the fact that Canada doesn't have anything in, in reserves and in storage in Canada at all. The majority of it is in the States, and uh, we need to be independent of that supply and have something available for our industry within our own country. And so we've asked the federal government to give it serious consideration and, and have budget funding available for that in 2022. Some of the other uh, business risk management programs, including the Mark Livestock Marketing Insurance Program, We'd like to see that become a permanent program and expand it all the way to the Maritimes across Canada. We've seen the benefits of it in Western Canada, and we've had requests from other provinces to, to get it established. And uh, it's definitely something that we feel would be very beneficial for especially the younger producers that are out there. The one key component that CCA, or Canadian Cattlemen's Association, recognizes is this insurance package has to have a cost-shared premium in the same retrospect that our other insurances for forages, grain production, the other commodities are all cost-shared. And the livestock uh, price insurance program is a producer cost only. And that premium is, this year, for example, would cost producers in the vicinity of 50 to $55 per head. And for most producers, that's their profit margin. And it's just too, too, too difficult to come up with that money up front. And so we're going to really push hard to see if we can have a national program that is cost-shared. The other thing we're looking for, a more increase in government core funding for research. And obviously, we want to continue to enhance our trade market access. Uh, We've got some trade deals that are doing very, very well. 2021 was another banner year for Canadian beef exports. It marks the sixth year in a row of Canada hitting record export values through to November. Exports were up 37.2%. And this highlights how our long-term investment in market access advocacy has resulted in significant dividends. And with reference to trade agreements, and we have bilateral trade agreements with, for example, the UK, these trade agreements have to benefit both countries. And currently, our agreement with the UK has only benefited them and not our producers in any way. So we have to revisit some of these and either just discontinue or improve them. So what changes would you like to see with that deal? Well, I think the biggest barrier we have right now with Canadian called cows is, is their uh, assumption that everything has got growth promotants and implants. And they don't understand that when these culled cows come off farms and ranches, they've never had any growth promotants. They produce calves, and when they, get, when they become barren and don't have calves anymore, we go straight to, uh, to grind with them in, in the packing plants, and there's, there's absolutely no reason why they should not qualify. And uh, CCA is trying to negotiate having a third-party auditor that would be recognized. And we feel through the Verified Beef Plus program, that would be a natural fit. And so we're hoping to gain some traction on that. Another issue of concern for all producers has been the impact of the war in Ukraine and its effect on world markets. And I understand that you and the CCA will be watching that situation very closely as well. Well, first of all, we, our thoughts and prayers go out to all the people of the Ukraine. It's devastating to see what's going on in that country, and we know it's having a huge toll and an impact on all of their lives. From an international perspective, we also realize that Ukraine produces a lot of grain, a lot of our feed grains, a lot of the barley and wheat, and that's going to have a significant impact going forward into 2022. So there are some huge concerns. There's a lot of volatility out there, 
And it's a wait and see. Nobody can predict where this is going to stop. And it's looking like things could be very volatile. And that's another reason why we want business risk management programs to recognize that and give our producers options to lock in some protections. Red Schellenberg is the newly acclaimed president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of April 18, 2022. The federal government's five economic global innovation clusters will receive an additional $750 million over the next six years. Protein Industries Canada is one of those clusters designed to boost the national economy, and the idea is to use proteins from pulses and other crops to make new plant-based food products and ingredients. Bill Gruel is the CEO of Protein Industries Canada. He says PIC has made nearly four dozen investments over the past four years. And long term, PIC has a goal of contributing $25 billion a year to Canada's economy. CP Rail is continuing its string of good weekly performances while CN Rail took a step back after improvements during the first half of April. Milt Poirier is with QGI Consulting and monitors the railway's grain movement performance on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of grain companies and producer organizations. He says CN has had its challenges in Alberta and Manitoba, but the railway has done better in Saskatchewan. Poirier believes the numbers will improve as we move towards the end of the crop year. Several countries will be looking for new supplies of wheat in light of projected lower production from war-torn Ukraine. One possibility might be India, which could have additional wheat for export, according to Marlena Borsch with Mercantile Consulting Venture. Borsch said the United Nations World Food Program is reporting Ukraine does not have sufficient grain storage, even for a much smaller 2022 grain harvest. Of course, with the ongoing war, ships are unable to move any grain. A Ukrainian agriculture journalist is providing an inside look at how the ongoing war is affecting farmers in that country. Ihor Pavliuk has been writing articles with first-hand accounts of what it's been like over the past couple of months. Gord Gilmore is the editor of Manitoba Cooperator and has been in contact with Pavliuk. About 15% of Manitoba and Saskatchewan residents have a Ukrainian heritage. Gilmore says Pavliuk's stories have been generating a lot of online clicks because many farmers have a great empathy for their Ukrainian counterparts. Gilmore recently participated in a forum about Ukraine organized by the Canadian Farm Writers Federation. Two University of Saskatchewan research projects are examining ways to help cattle in dry years. Assistant Professor Dr. John Bennett is looking to increase the productivity and salinity tolerance of forage crops grown on marginal land. The second USASC project, receiving funding, is investigating dietary strategies to help dairy cattle deal with summer hurt. Dr. Greg Penner will conduct the two-year project at the Rainer Dairy and Research Facility, The projects will receive funding from the National Sciences and Engineering Research Council's grant program, along with Alberta beef producers, Saskatchewan cattlemen's, Papillion Agriculture Company and Saskbilk.
Federated Cooperatives has found its next CEO. Heather Ryan moves into the role following the retirement of Scott Banda, who held the position for 12 years. Ryan has been with FCL since 2013 and became a member of the FCL Senior Leadership Team in 2015 as Vice President of Human Resources. Since last August, she served as Vice President of Supply Chain. Federated has roughly 3,200 employees across Western Canada at 160 independent local cooperative associations. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.